Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on the ultimate hiring guide for sales managers. In it, you'll discover how to prepare a job description and posting, how to screen candidates, and what to ask during a job interview, as well as a lot more things. So be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 258. We're in episode 258, hard to believe. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and today I am really excited about the conversation that we'll be having. I am talking to the COO of Discover Praxis, which helps people unlock their first career opportunities through an intensive six-month startup boot camp. He was previously the director of marketing at Crash and the chief of staff at Ceteris, and I might have mispronounced that. Um, He is based in beautiful Denver, Colorado, so we are so glad to have you here. Welcome to the show, Mitchell Earle. Thank you so much. I am looking forward to our conversation as well. Yeah, I um I just shared the really really top level bullets of your resume, but could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Maybe talk a little bit about um, how you got where you are and um, how you developed the passion for what it is that you're doing. Yeah, I mean that's as good a starting point as any because I think that my story is really <laughs> tied to a lot of the work that we're doing today. So um, you know, like you mentioned, I'm COO of Praxis, which is a six month boot camp for entrepreneur, entrepreneurial young professionals who want more than college. And before that, you know, I was working for uh, a company called Crash, where we were building an online platform for people on the job market. Uh, before that, I was working in, in fintech, a company called Ceteris. So I've been in the startup game for a while. And before that, way before that, when I was back in college, I originally wanted to go to medical school. And that's kind of where everything uh, began to, you know, my entire career path uh, began to change. I got, I got involved with a very early stage startup when I was in college. And that kind of changed my mind about everything. It was just a a, a very early stage, handful of people um, at the time, you know, very, very, you know, not not very much more than an idea at the time. And it was a media company that was launching a a local newspaper. They wanted to reach every campus across the country, and I was, you know, on one of those very first campuses where we were bringing it to, um, you know, bringing it to our campus at Oklahoma State, um, and it was on that very early team. And that's kind of where, mm-hmm. you know, we, that, that's kind of where uh, I got my first crash course in real world door-to-door sales, um, which is a, a, another story in and of itself. But it, to, to, to fast forward and talk about how I, I became passionate about what we're doing today is when I got out in the real world, I, I didn't have a plan and it scared me. And I felt like by the, you know, when I graduated college, everything was just going to make sense and I was going to have a job and it was all going to be easy from there. And what I found out is that... <laughs> I didn't actually know what I wanted to do yet. And so through mm. you know, wor- working tons of different jobs, you know, I started, I started my career out of college, working in financial services for a while and, and hopped around to different things. And over time, as I accumulated a number of different experiences, I kind of found my thing, but it was through this process of elimination. It wasn't actually, you know, looking out into the, the, the full landscape of career opportunities and picking one thing and, and saying, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It was actually this continuous experiment. And, and it, it was a, it was a process of getting to know myself, getting to know that the types of things that I, I was interested in and good at over and over and over again. And, that mm. is ultimately what makes what we're doing today at Praxis so rewarding, getting to work with young people as they try and figure that out for themselves. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of us can probably resonate with that story because to a, 
to a large extent, we are well set up to get through college without even necessarily having to do a lot of thinking and planning for ourselves. It's easy to just kind of follow along <laughs> with, yeah. you know, what what comes next, you know, finish high school, what comes next, apply to colleges, what comes next, go to college, and then you get out of it. And it's the first time for a lot of us that we have real freedom to decide. And I know so many people who discovered after they graduated, that they didn't want to work in the field that they had a degree in, or um, they they didn't even know necessarily where in the country or the world they wanted to live, um, what kind of a life they wanted to have. And it's so easy to make that significant financial investment in college and then discover that what you just spent four years on isn't really helping you on that path to where you are. So, you know, like you said, it's it's something that life is in general, consistently learning yourself better and consistently figuring out, you know, um, yeah. how you can, how you can leverage the strengths, leverage the knowledge that you've developed into, into what comes next. But um, it's, it's, it's something that young people, especially it, it's a big job to give somebody to say, you know, figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life and also gain lots and lots and lots of debt um, as you're doing that. Yeah, it's very, very scary. Very scary to get out in the real world. And I think it's also just, it's scary to admit to yourself that you don't have a plan. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's not, it's not obvious necessarily what comes next. There are certainly some types of careers where, um, you know, if you studied accounting, you might think I need to prepare for the CF. Uh, you know, to, to get the, the CPA. Um, yep. Or if you studied pre-law, obviously law school, or if you studied pre-med medical school. But I know people even, I remember a guy, this was when I was in high school and he was a friend of a friend and he was in his eighth year of undergrad and he just kept taking classes and classes and classes because he didn't know what he wanted to do. Um, I've got a sibling oh, who has been, uh, you know, she's working on her PhD now, but I feel like she's going to be a postdoc. And I think she's just going to kind of stick in that educational area because it's it's where she's comfortable. So um, I love that you took your own personal experience and you've been able to kind of leverage it into what it is that you're doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's what makes it even more fulfilling is, is it, it's so deeply embedded with my own personal experience. Definitely. And that's that makes it so much easier to have a passion for going to work and really care about it is when you can you can take what you've learned. And so you have a lot of experience, um, you know, on the HR side and then on the sales and marketing side. And one of the things that is really interesting to me with what you're doing is you guys have a kind of expertise in helping people develop selling skills um, in your in your program. And you've probably had a lot of time to think about what makes a good entry level sales professional. So what are the things that you think a leader should be looking for if they're looking to hire an entry level salesperson? That that is a fantastic question because I think that so many people struggle with that. And I think that, you know, the way that I've learned is is both by being involved with with so many poor hiring decisions um, and, and all, you know, like mm. doing doing it wrong <laughs> so many times. Um, you know, not just in sales, but across so many different roles. And 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 also, you know, celebrating the wins. There there have been some great ones as well. And and learning, learning over and over and over again. So trying it a lot, I think, is 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 the part that that helps you get better. But also like looking back and and measuring, you know, <laughs> was was this employee a, a good employee or not? Um, you know, so one one mm -hmm. of the things when I think about entry level reps, in particular sales reps, what what I try to look for is is for people who are motivated and and very clear about what motivates them. Salespeople 
in, you know, compared to your average other role, salespeople have very defined metrics and it's very easy to keep score. And it's very difficult for, you know, particular for an entry level person who's coming in and, and a lot of their time is spent prospecting or, or outbound calling or outbound, being told mm-hmm. no a lot over and over and over again. You need somebody who can motivate themselves or who, who you can motivate as a sales leader. And so, you know, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite motivators for salespeople is just money. Uh, you know, p- salespeople who are very br- brutally honest that, you know, I know that closing deals and, and driving my own personal bottom line motivates me. That's, that's somebody you want on the team, but I think that that's only half the equation. You want to pair that with somebody who has a unique, um, unique belief or, or reason for selling that product. They, they believe in the product and the business. And it's something that, that, that they would use themselves or they get value out of. Um, I, I think when you pair those two together where I'm extrinsically motivated by money and hitting quotas and, and hitting the targets and being the best at what I'm doing. And also I, I truly believe in what we're selling. I think we're benefiting our customers. That is like the sweet spot um, and, and probably one of the more, more important criteria. And I think that that, that probably extends beyond entry level. When I, the, the other you know, two components of entry level, I think are people who are coachable and people who have a strong desire to learn mm-hmm. and improve their craft. Absolutely. And I love, I love those, you know, all four of those because they're, like you said, they're, they're applicable at the entry level, but also throughout your career. And one thing I think that a lot of people don't necessarily realize is, um, there are so many different backgrounds where you can find very, very effective, successful salespeople. And that's one of the things that I find really exciting um, about what you're doing now, because it's a it's a, a college alternative route um, that can help people get into a professional track. But selling, unless you want to start a business of your own, sales is one of the few professions that still exists where you can be quite successful financially and, um, and in terms of your career, um, yep. without necessarily going the college route, there are, there are other careers certainly, but sales is, is a really strong one where you have people who, um, you know, like you said, they're smart, they're motivated, they're, they're driven, but you don't necessarily have to go the traditional college route and you can still have a very, you know, make a very good living, um, and be very successful and, and advance and grow in your career. Um, even though you no, don't necessarily have a traditional like business background. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And I think that that, that is what I, I think is so appealing about sales is, is the, the barrier, the fewer barriers to entry. But what I also think is, you know, not, not even from the hiring standpoint, from, from somebody who's early in their career and, and trying to figure out what I, what I want to do, sales offers an unprecedented opportunity for, for personal growth. Like every, every job at the end of the day, every job involves sales. You've got to, you know, you've got to sell yourself on a promotion, on a raise, on a presentation so you can launch a new product, whatever department of the business you're in, you're doing sales. And that's why I think it's, it's one of the, one of the best starting points in particular for that person who hasn't really found their thing yet, because you can get skills that are so translatable to any walk of life. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And what you said earlier, even, you know, a lot of times those entry level sales roles are the grunt work. They're the hard stuff. It's the cold calling. It's the, um, you know, lead gen. It's the research stuff that is building so much muscle that you will use for the rest of your career, whether you stay in sales or go somewhere else. If you can learn how to 
how to effectively manage a job where you're going to be told no all the time, where you're going to be doing hard work. Um, if, if you stay in sales, you're going to, you know, you're going to build on those relationships and you're going to, you're going to have a lot of best practices. But let's say you move into something else you're probably going to have learned how to prioritize tasks, how to get difficult things done that you don't necessarily want to do, how to deal with disappointment, yeah. how to hopefully, you know, convince people and and sell them on your ideas. And like you said, it's it's core kind of professional principles, not necessarily just for people who want to stay, um, you know, in a job title that that includes business development or sales. Oh yeah, the 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 one that jumped out to me is is handily disappointed disappointment. If, if, you know, if you can translate, you know, if, even if you leave sales, if you can translate the thick skin you develop and the ability to handle objections and, and like walk <laughs> into, walk into whatever else you do for the rest of your life, where when somebody tells, you no the first time you, you handle that objection, you figure out, you know, why, why, why did they tell me no? How can I reframe my pitch? How can I make this more mutually beneficial? Like those, those tactics that you learn in, in sales, those are so huge for your confidence, for your ability to be effective at whatever, you know, whatever job you're in. And, and just like your ability to create a higher quality of life for yourself by creating opportunities that there's just so many, so many awesome things. So that's why, you know, I find it, I, I find it just so fulfilling to work with young people who, you know, when they, they, they get that first aha moment that, oh my gosh, sales is not what I thought it was. It's not just, you know, used car, car dealers, you know, trying to sell <laughs> lemons to people who don't, you know, who, who don't need a car. So it's it's rewarding work. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that because there there is such a misperception of what selling is. And this also goes back to what you were talking about in terms of being tied to and and finding value in what it is that you're selling. Because if you are selling something that you don't believe in and that you're not passionate about, you're going to develop a lot of really bad habits. First of all, it's going to be really hard for you to be successful. And um, if you somehow manage to make it successful, it's going to be because you might be doing something a little bit sleazy. You might be, at the very least, you're going to be super uncomfortable. You know, if I, I'm somebody who um, I, I think smoking is not a good choice, right? And so if I were in a job where I had to sell cigarettes, I would not be able to do that with personal integrity. Yeah. And so I would either have to compromise my integrity or fail. And then if I, if I really felt that I needed to be successful, then I would feel gross about myself. And so, but if, if on the other hand, I strongly believe in what it is that I'm selling and I believe it solves problems for people and it helps people, which I do about, about what we do here at Criteria for Success, you know, we help companies who are struggling to sell. I have worked for a company that failed because it did not sell. And it sucked. It was. It's not good to lose your job because uh, you know your company isn't bringing in any new business. And to think that I can be a part of making sure other people don't have that experience. Um, to be a part of like you, like you, it sounds like get when you see people um, have that that light bulb aha moment. You know, I see salespeople have that light bulb aha moment when um, when we have salespeople who've never really been all that successful and they develop a process, they develop a plan, and it starts to work for them. Um, you know, if you find that passion, it it gets you so much because you you know it gives you energy, it gives you it gives you ideas and creativity and focus, and it does make your job a lot easier no matter what it is that you're doing when when you have that that passion behind it. Oh, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. You know, I've sold so many things that, you know, I, I didn't have any particular passion for it. Those were, those were some of the toughest sales jobs I've been in. And, you know, now I'm, now I'm in the position that I've been in the position for the past, you know, 
handful of years as well, where that was a priority to me is like to, to work at a company and, and be in a spot where I believed in what we're doing. And honestly, that makes it, it makes it where you don't even feel like you're selling anymore. You're, you're truly just trying to help other people. And that's, that's, that's the real sweet spot of sales. And, you know, for the, for the people who are financially motivated, if you can pair that with, you know, the, mm. the, the financially rewarding situation, that is a home run career opportunity. Absolutely. Because it's something that, like you said, uh, you know, sometimes you're selling something that maybe you don't have any sort of a personal connection to, um, you know, it, and, and you can't really find it. But if you can still figure out, do I feel like it helps people and like I'm helping people by helping connect them to this product or service, then then you're going to get that passion. You're going to get that commitment. You know, you could be selling like a, a complicated technology product and it's not something that, you know, um, it, it's not something that consumers ever even need to think about or, or use, but you know that businesses that use that, you know, software product, whatever it is, um, they're able to be more efficient and more effective. They're able to support their employees better, whatever it is, think through the why of what it is that you sell. Think through the the problems that it solves for somebody. Whatever you sell has to solve a problem for somebody. And if, if that's a problem that you want to be a part of solving, um, that can help you kind of get up and go to work the next day with um, with a good attitude, with with that that passion, with that energy. And that's going to really be, be helpful. And I think um, especially, especially, especially early stage when you are doing that, that you know, the, the prospecting, the cold calling, the, the hard, hardest work, that's when you almost most need a strong connection to what it is you're selling, because otherwise it's going to be hard to make yourself really even just do it. I I couldn't agree more. I think back to, you know, one of my early, one of my early sales jobs. So this is like one of the first times I, I had real, you know, was getting real sales experience. And and it was the same, same startup I mentioned earlier. I was working with, for them in college and and we, we were starting, you know, we were growing the sales team. So we had launched this newspaper on campus. It was the second year I'd been very involved with getting off, that off the ground. And the, the second year I got promoted into the sales team. And, you know, it wasn't just one of my first like real sales experiences, but it's also the first one where I was, I was supposed to be leading a team and I didn't know a lot about sales. And, and honestly, it was, it was so difficult for me. That was one of the most difficult jobs out of the gates because I didn't really have context for you know, the benefit of what we were selling, we were selling ad space for newspapers to small businesses. I didn't really have a context for what we were doing. I didn't know who the customers were. I didn't really have a good grasp on why they should care. Like I was, I was still so green. And, you know, I think that getting told no, you know, walking door to door in, in the you know, hundred plus degree heat during the summer <laughs> as a, as a, as a 20 year old talking to small business owners and trying to sell them and getting told no over and over and over again. It wasn't just difficult for me and like one of the toughest jobs and, and a little bit demoralizing, but like trying to convince my team, you know, when, when they were struggling to do that, that was, that was so tough as well, because I, I was like, honestly, I can't, I can't give you anything. I can't, I can't sell the vision to you because I'm having <laughs> trouble with it with myself. So you know, that was, that was such a learning experience for me. And, you know, I, I think back to that every time I'm, I'm working with somebody early in their career, especially in sales, it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta find, you know, you gotta find your reason, try and figure out who the customer is and how this is helping them. Because if you don't do that, every no stings that much more. Absolutely. And I think um, it's interesting the time that we're talking in right now, because there are a lot of people um, who maybe recently graduated high school or recently graduated college, and they're looking at a job market 
that is not what they probably would have hoped that it would be. Um, and, and we all hope that, that things you know, get better quickly, but we can't necessarily count on that. Um, and then there are a lot of people who've lost their jobs, whether they were early in their career or whether they've, they've been working for a while. And if you're thinking about what's that next opportunity to really think about, um, you know, can I work for a company that I really believe in what it is that they're doing? Um, and it, it doesn't have to mean that you're working for a not-for-profit and not making any money. <laughs> you can yeah. be very successful um, and still find that find that passion. And to me, it's always that that I think there's an innate human desire to contribute to the world. And we all have it. And we all can can make that contribution in different ways. Um, but if you feel like I'm making the world a better place, I'm making people's lives easier, more joyful, more um, satisfying, I'm, I'm helping them with their families, whatever it is, if you can find that connection, um, that that's the thing that gets you up on those days when you're like, ugh, it's 80 degrees outside and I have to walk around in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes it makes it difficult. But I mean, to, to just continue on that point for those young people that are you know, in particular, the ones who are either deciding whether they should go back to college or they're deciding, you know, should I go to college in the fall? You know, I'm graduating from high school. Like what what I know now that I wish I would have known at, you know, age 18, um, you know, was was it, you don't have to have a whole plan. But if you think about your career and you think about you know, your education as 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 the way to accumulate the skills that are going to be valuable for you, no matter what you do. It takes so much pressure mm -hmm. off, but it also allows you to, you know, to, 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 to look at opportunities as, you know, does this help me build a valuable skill that I can, I can take into my life down the road or does it not? Because if it doesn't like maybe, maybe, maybe avoid that one and go find one that does offer you some better skills. And honestly, as I, as I was talking about earlier, that's why I think sales is such an awesome opportunity. Go take a gap year, go, go try and sell something for a year, or go get on an early you know, uh, go get on a, an early sales team or, or whatever, go get a, a year of sales experience while you try and figure it out before you go back to college. Like you will not regret the, the skills you learn. Um, they, they won't just be valuable to you, you know, in, in the short term, but those are things that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And I love that, that concept of just looking at your looking at your career as stepping stones, as building blocks, and you don't necessarily need to know what are the next five steps. But at the very least, if you have a goal of what's at the top and you think, does this get me closer to that? Whether it's I'm going to meet people and and you know get into the right industry, whether it's I'm going to develop relationships with, um, with people that could be helpful later on, whether it's as we're talking about, you know, build skills that are going to be applicable. Um, it's it's so incredibly important, especially when you're when you're very early stage, to be able to start to build a map. And there are a lot of people who don't, right? Um, there are people who every single job it's like they're a brand new person, but that's that is making it a lot harder for you. And you know, you have two very different jobs before this, and you were still able to put those together into something that um, that it sounds like you have a lot of passion for. And I would really encourage people. Um, you know, wh whether you're, you know, how, wherever you are in your career, if you can look back at what, um, what has been fun for you, um, if there are any consistent threads that you've developed, uh, if you're, if you're struggling, you might be able to find, um, find that you've been on a journey that maybe you haven't even noticed because, um, that's always kind of interesting is when people can realize, oh, you know, even the babysitting that I did, I was project managing or I was teaching and, and really think through even those early stage jobs where you might've started to build that little foundation for the career that you're going to have for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I I like to I like to tell a story about you know one of the one of the employees at, at you know previous company that that we hired who was you know running ultimately running the technical support function on our team and and before that was a marine biologist, completely unrelated career path. But mm. a lot of the things like the the methods of thinking and and the a lot of the the, the technical aspects of the way that she had performed her job translated really, really effectively um, to, to this new role. But also it just it was so much more of an interesting story when that person came and and, and pitched, you know, hey, I, I'm the right person for this position. Being able to tell that story and translate why this seemingly disparate experience translates even better than the average person to this role. Uh, it that it's such a it that's that helps you stand out so much on the job market. So it doesn't all have to be a very linear career path, um, you know. And and if you're a good salesperson, it does make it a little bit easier to to, to thread the needle around that story and 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 connect those disparate those different disparate experiences. So absolutely, I love 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 that example. And um, it's it's so funny too because really bluntly, a lot of work has some of the same basic principles and skills that you need, right? We all need to be good at time management and um, and kind of just self-management. We all need to be good at dealing with people, um, difficult people and, and easy people. Um, we all at some point are going to need to be able to manage a project. We all at some point are going to need to be able to convince people and, and sell people of things. It doesn't matter what professional job you have. There are so many of these foundational skills. And so figuring out how to take you know, the unique aspect of how you might have had to do that in a former job and apply it to a new one. Like you said, it's going to make you stand out as a candidate um, and people are going to remember, hey, that that's the, our marine biologist. We actually have our, um, our marketing and innovation manager. When we were in the interview process, we actually hired her as an intern and she talked about how she had been a ballerina growing up that's and awesome. how that hard work and discipline of waking up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, to practice for, for ballet, that helped her develop a lot of discipline that she used. Um, and then she, she ended up with a job actually in sales uh, at a retail store. But, you know, she had the discipline and focus for that. And she was able to help us kind of pull that thread. And this is at this point years and years later. And I still remember those initial conversations about her waking up early in the morning for ballet. So she stood out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great story. Absolutely. Not as fun as marine biologists, though. I am very curious to meet that person someday. <laughs> All right. Um, one thing that we we kind of talked about why, um, you know, some of the key features of an entry-level salesperson that, that managers can look for. But I'd love, I know you have a lot of experience actually hiring salespeople. Do you have any specific best practices that you've discovered over time, whether it was um, a lesson you learned the hard way um, or just, just something that you've discovered through analyzing what worked and what didn't? Yeah, I think, and, and this is one where I think that the experience on both sides of the equation, both both from a hiring perspective, you know, participating on that end and then also helping people get hired, navigate that. Uh, there, there are two mm, things. Or, absolutely. Uh, there are two or three things that I think I would encourage sales leaders to to consider um, when, when they think about their hiring practices and, and and in particular for the entry level people. But but number one is a project based component. I think that um, th there's kind of a twofold benefit of this. The first one is that like most people who aren't serious, it's going to weed them out. They're not going to take the time. Uh, they're not going to take the time to jump mm -hmm. through extra hoops, which which saves you some busy work. You know, it eliminates pe Absolutely. people who aren't great fits just by virtue of not taking the time to to show you they are. And and number two, it allows you to it allows you to get a little bit better picture of how that person thinks. 
you don't have to give them super detailed instructions. In fact, I'd occur, encourage against that, but give them kind of a, a rough framework of a project. One that I like is, you know, building out a prospect list and either, you know, letting them come up with a company or, or assigning a company or something like that and letting them, you know, bring to you what, the, how they interpret that, that assignment. And, and that's, that's been one that I think has been effective. I have on multiple occasions, uh, people who have actually absolutely knocked that, you know, that component out of the park. I've, I've hired people just specifically because they, they did projects so much better than what I even had in mind, which was just such a strong signal. Um, a, a couple others here that is like, make somebody sell you a product they like on, on the spot. Uh, mm-hmm. don't, don't talk, don't try and make them sell you your company. Uh, they haven't had enough time in most cases mm-hmm. to, to sell you on the product, but like, what's their favorite thing? You know, what, what's a, what's an app that they use or, you know, something that they buy, like make them sell you something they're already passionate about because you get a, you get, you know, the project based component allows you to look at that person as, you know, an, an analytical person kind of assess the way that they critically think and the sales that's on the spot sales function that that allows you to see how, you know, their raw selling ability, the way that they get excited about mm-hmm. products, the way their energy changes as they're talking about something that they're excited about. I, I love both of those. And then the third one, this is an easy one, but I think it definitely when you're hiring entry level people, ignore credentials. Don't put, you need two years job experience and a bachelor's degree for an entry level SDR position. That's just, that's unnecessary. And some of the best candidates I know, best salespeople I know, they, they don't have college degrees and they're doing just fine. Absolutely. I love, love, love both of those. So I'm going to, I'm going to start where you started in terms of the interview process. I am shocked and appalled at how many organizations their hiring process consists exclusively of asking questions and getting answers. Yeah. That's not the job. That's not, that has nothing to do with what, you know, it's not like when you hire somebody, they're going to sit in a room and you're going to ask them questions. They have to give you the right answers. I guess maybe there are jobs where that's the case, but (laughs) generally (laughs) that's not what it is that people are going to do. So if you're hiring somebody who needs to sell, you want to give them some of the projects around it. I love that idea of building a prospect list because that's going to show you, like you said, you get to see how they think. That's one of the things that we we've seen this um you know both good and the bad you know we have clients who've had salespeople who they hire who are not able to to be structured and organized in terms yeah. of how they're targeting and they're just they're very random you'll see that if you ask them to build a a prospect list we've had people who um, were afraid to take action you know that's that's a little harder to tell i've had so many salespeople that i've seen over the years who um bad salespeople who are really good at building lists and researching and won't pick up the phone. So that might be a difficult one to, to interview for, but it's something you can evaluate early stage. But that idea of selling a product they know and they like so, so many times I've heard managers say, Oh, you know, I I like to evaluate their sales ability. I'll I'll tell them something in the room and have them sell it to me. Like, well, (laughs) do they care about that thing in the room? Do they know, you know, sell me this pen. Let's yeah. think it's a pen. I'm not going to sell you a pen. That's not. But like you said, if if it's something that they love and they care about, you're going to see. Do they get super emotional and caught up, and are they not clear in what they're saying? Do they ask any questions to help determine if it's a fit for you or how it might be a fit for you? Do they um, do they connect to their personal story? Do they tell other stories? Like you're going to see how they sell and. If they if they pick something that's wildly different from your business, that's perfectly fine. But if you see those those core those core skills, that core element of they get how it is to um, to 
you know, determine if something's a fit for somebody and convince them to buy it. That's something that's difficult to teach. It's not impossible, but it is difficult to teach. So um, if they've, if they've got it already, that's really, really, really helpful. 100%. That's why I like, I like both of those kind of paired together is, you know, the, the project you get to examine the thinking, but then the second side you get, you get to see the other side of how they're, you know, their other side of their brain at work. And both of those, I think, that, that combination of somebody who can, you know, they, they can be a little bit analytical. They, they have a really good grasp of figuring out who the right buyer is, um, which I think is that, mm-hmm. that usually comes through really well in a, in a build a prospect list type project. And that, that paired with the ability to just have enthusiasm about something and convince somebody else, even if it's, you know, that's easier with something, you know, both of those together, I think that tells you way more than, you know, three, four hour long interviews. Yeah. How would you respond in XYZ situation? It's like, yes, you need to ask some of those questions, but not all of them. And then, like you said, I I cannot believe how many jobs require experience that doesn't seem to have anything to do with that position. And you can't you have to have, you have, so there has to be somewhere where people get that first experience. Yeah. So if every job requires three years of experience, like when is somebody going to get years one through three? And yeah. it's, it's so silly because experience is not going to determine success. Um, certainly experience can be helpful. And especially if you're hiring a very senior rep who needs to do a highly technical sale, it can be helpful if you hire somebody from your industry who used to sell the same thing before, you know, that that that's perfectly fine. But for the basic entry level sales, it's like you said, it's about it's about energy, it's about connection, it's about some of these raw skills. And it doesn't matter if they if they studied it in school or have done it for 10 years, they they have it or they don't. Well, I think counterintuitively too, like in many cases, when you bring somebody into an entry level role, entry level sales role in particular, who already has experience, you you more often than not, I would wager you're doing more harm than good. And there, there are so many reasons Mm. you may bring somebody in who has bad habits, who, you know, they picked up bad prospecting habits or, you know, maybe some shady tactics, or maybe they just didn't do things, you know, the way that you want to train them to do in your organization, they did something differently in the past. And that's the mental model they have to work on. Or, you know, or this, uh, this is also something I've, I've commonly seen is I expect to advance more quickly than what this role, this role is ramped for. Like mm-hmm. if that's, that's the worst one is if you have somebody who's used to closing deals and you know, that's, they're on the job market desperately trying to get hired and they have, they have all the things that check all the boxes on your job requirement and they, they get through. Yeah. Obviously they sound like a great candidate because they, you know, they've, they've been able to hit quotas in the past or whatever, but do you really think that person wants to start back at the bottom? Like salespeople are competitive. They want to climb. And that's, that's even, you know, forget the bachelor's degree requirement aside, which is insane in my opinion. But but when you're trying to 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 take a salesperson and and put them back in after they've already been in the, the trenches, they've already done those cold calling reps, and you're trying to, to put them through that gauntlet again. I think I think more often than not, you you run into some you know you run into some difficult situations. Absolutely, I've even heard from people and. It might sound a little arrogant, but but I honestly don't think it is. A, you're asking me to cold call, you know, <laughs> yeah. basically. And it's to a certain extent. I mean, there are times when if you have not developed a network, if you have not developed um, some of these core best practices, you could be, you know, whatever age you are, have however much experience you do, and you might still need to be doing that. But generally, when it comes to sales, what 
what can be really effective is, you know, you spend the first few years of your career doing the cold calling, doing the grunt work, doing the really hard stuff. Over that, you're developing relationships, you're developing skills, you're developing expertise, and you can grow through that stage. But like you said, if if you've got this person who's super experienced, they, they might think this is how I get in the door, but I want to move out of that role really quickly. Yeah. And, and you might not have an opening yeah. for an outside salesperson. Yeah. And it's, it's- <laughs> you might not have- it's not to say that, that it's not to say that you should rule people out with experience, but you definitely shouldn't rule them mm-hmm. out just because they don't have it. Absolutely. And it's just it it's unfair to the to candidates who might not match it, but but have all of that passion and that energy. And it's it's really unfair as a business to be eliminating so many potential employees who could be incredibly valuable for your team. You know, it's funny. Um, we have uh, a pretty small team at CFS and so most of our employees we've developed from interns up and yep. um you know they they did go the traditional college route but still you know we hired them in their in their early 20s while they were still finishing school and we got a sense of how they worked when they were part time you know hourly yep. workers and we we got to see how they were they got to see what it was like to work with us because a lot of it is just can you spend eight, nine, 10 hours a day with these people? Yep. Um, do you, do you even like each other? Do you, do you like the work? Um, this is funny. I feel like I, I keep using examples of my siblings, but I have a big family, but <laughs> I have a sister who studied science and she thought she wanted to work in a lab and she had to do an internship as part of school. And she realized she did not want to work in a lab. She thought it was awful. <laughs> and if she had got all the way through and finished school and everything that she was set up for was ready to work in a lab. That's a really terrible discovery to make yeah. once you um, once you finish your education. You know, I know a lot of people who've gone to law school and graduated from law school and passed the bar and realized they didn't want to be lawyers. And it's like, well, I, that was almost me. Yes, you learned a lot, but wow. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Was, I was two weeks away from starting law school whenever I, 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 you know, hit, hit the pause button, hit the eject button, I guess. And, and I ended up getting, you know, getting hired on as, as an intern at a very early stage company. So like that describes my career path perfectly. You know, I, I climbed my way through the ranks, but started at the bottom. And fortunately, fortunately I, uh, you know, I avoided going three and a half years through law school to figure that out. Yeah. That's a very, very expensive lesson to learn. Oh, man. And, you know, it's, and again, if, if somebody has done that um, and they've made that realization, whenever you have that discovery of, you know, I'm not on a path I want to be on, I'm not happy where I am. You can still go back to some of these principles of, you know, figure out what, what brings you joy. What, what can you do that, that makes you feel like you're contributing to the world? Um, what are the, what are the ways you've built up um, skills and abilities over the course of your career? And hopefully you can translate them to something else. I had this was years ago, but I had a roommate who um, she had studied sociology. She didn't finish school, but she she got most of the way through college. And then she ended up as an office manager of uh, of a really successful growing business. And she took her ability to understand people and connect to people. And she was the absolute most important employee in their office. Everybody loved her. Everything that she did was was so incredibly important. And it never, it, it was never important to her to finish school. It was never something that she needed to, to, you know, look for another job. She, she was there for years and years and years and years, um, developed, you know, so many relationships and and so many great skills. And it was just because they, they took a chance on somebody who was a little bit of a non-traditional candidate, but, um, you know, you don't have to have studied office management. I don't even think that's a, that's a major, (laughs) um, to be a really effective office manager. Who knows with college today? It may be a $60,000 degree program for that, but that, that is a good story. Oh, 60? Come on. That's 120 at least. (laughs) 
All right. Well, I I really just have loved this conversation because, you know, we've kind of come back to some of the same principles over and over again. But um, what it is that you're doing is just so, so exciting. And I think a lot of employers um, might like to learn about that because I would imagine a lot of your um, the the people who go through your program um, might be potential hires for them. But a lot of people who are um, maybe, uh, you know, thinking about what comes next in their career might be might be open to some creative ideas that they hadn't thought about. So really fun talking to you about that. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Well, one of the things that we always like to ask our guests about is uh, books that they might have read that really helped them um, over the course of their career. It might be something that um, relates to what we were just talking about today. Um, It might be just something that you find interesting and that has been um, beneficial to you. So do you have any books that you would recommend for our listeners? Oh my gosh. So many, so many. I I love books. I think uh, I'll I'll try and keep the list short, but a, a couple of, you know, a couple that I read early in my career, in particular sales related that I think I've gone back to these over and over and over over the years, and I think they're great for for people early in their careers as well as the, the Sandler Rules and the Sandler Success Principles by mm. Dave Batson. I love both of those. I think they're great life application. Um, and then then a few others uh, for in particular, you know, sales, marketing, whatever you're doing, Influence by Robert Cialdini, and uh, you know, The Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. Both of those, like, you want to get better at sales, you want to get better at you know persuading people of other things, uh, of things, and and communicating your ideas. Both of those, and then my last one, this is this is just it's a tome. So if you if you're willing to put in the work and read a really long book, this is one of my favorite books on you know just understanding how the world works better. It's called Human Action by Ludwig von Mises. It's one of my favorite econ texts, but it talks about you know the tenets of of human action, which I think are so applicable for for pe- people in sales. Definitely. Definitely. I love that, that different mix, you know, some very kind of tactical, um, and foundational, just best practices. And then some of them kind of bigger picture philosophical, just kind of thinking about why it is that you do what you do. Um, I, I feel like people have a lot of time to read now that maybe didn't have as <laughs> yeah. much time to read before. So um, hopefully people will check those out. Definitely. I have read so many books. I feel like I'm reading a book at least every weekend, but I'm mostly reading like popcorn books. I mean, it's it's not exactly a time when I'm super investing yeah, the, in, in the, the, know, learning through reading. The danger is the, the pile of books uh, falling over that I've ordered and I haven't read yet. That's what I need to, I need to like start getting through some of the, the books that I've, I've ordered and are just stacking up all around the apartment. Absolutely. I don't have space for them. I've got <laughs> bookshelves that are like two rows deep and I just, I need to stop, but yeah. I, I'm old school enough that I still love to have an actual printed I'm, book. I'm the same way. Um, so <laughs> I definitely can't argue. All right. Well, um, if any of our listeners want to learn more about you and your work and what it is that you're doing, where should they go? Yeah. A few places, discoverpraxis.com to learn more about the program, what we're doing, um, you know, check out grads, uh, two other places, you know, shoot me an email anytime, Mitchell at discoverpraxis.com. I'm always happy to talk to anybody interested in what we're doing. And then, uh, you know, the best place to, you know, stay in touch is at, at Mitchell underscore Earl, very active on Twitter and very responsive. So those are the three best places. Love it. And absolutely. Um, just, you know, if, if anybody was inspired by what we've been talking about today, um, definitely check them out because this is a really cool, interesting thing. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. It. Thank you, Mitchell. No, thank so, you. So, so much for speaking to me today. You bet. It's been a pleasure. Um, thanks. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything Mitchell and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 258. Be sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. 
And remember, there's just a little while left to check out my presentation at the International Institute for Learning's Leadership and Innovation Online Conference. It ends on June 7th. You can use the code FREDERICK, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K, for $10 off your registration to see my talk as well as all the other great speakers. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com insights. I really hope that you enjoyed the show today. And if you did, please recommend us to a friend. That is the best way to help more people discover the show. If you're not yet subscribed, make sure you do that and you'll get every episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free wherever it is that you're listening. We are really committed to learning and improving, and we would love your feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchaw, Mark Krogan, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!